Hi everyone, this is Ruthie with a brief content note before we get into the main episode. This episode of Star Trek The Next Generation is about a group of children being kidnapped from the Enterprise. At the time of recording, news had recently broken about the discovery of the remains of over 200 children from the Tecumloops de Chiquetmec First Nation who were taken from their homes and who died at what was formerly known as the Kamloops Residential School. We wanted to give you a heads up that in this episode, we do talk about these children and about the residential school system more generally and its role in the oppression and the genocide of Indigenous peoples across this land. There are timestamps of the most explicit discussions of this topic in the show notes, uh, but the themes are pretty prevalent throughout the episode, so please do take care of yourself if you choose to listen to this episode and skip the parts that you need to. Thank you so much, and now I'll let you get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to With the First Link, the podcast that hopes to make our future as bright and as just as the one that we see in Star Trek The Next Generation. And we think that one way to do that is to recap and discuss the entire series one episode at a time, doing our best to look at it all through an anti-oppression, pro-diversity, anti-racist lens. I am Ruthie Cowper-Samoshi. And I'm Matthew Simone, and today we'll be talking about When the Bow Breaks. This episode was written by Hannah Louise Shearer and directed by Kim Manners. It first aired on February 13th, 1988. Getting into this episode, Ruthie, just we were talking about it earlier, and I was looking at it much more from like a uh, tension between dreams and home kind of position, because I, I I very much kind of related in the story elements here to what what is it worth the sacrifice to feel like you're going and connecting with a dream? Was it worth even sacrificing that place of, of home and familiarity? Because I've found that to be a big tension in my life, but... You made a connection that I hadn't considered given the news in Canada recently and, and 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 what is that? What is that news? Yeah, so I I mean I I saw this episode uh through a different lens originally just for myself about just just seeing how these I mean so a big plot point of this episode is that a bunch of children are kidnapped from the Enterprise. Um, and so seeing how that played out, uh, watching this episode as an adult really hit me in a way that it did not hit me when I watched it as a kid. And then, so we are uh, recording this uh, just a few days after news has come out that a, a mass grave uh, was found um, outside of a uh, what is called a residential school. I don't think we can call a place that has a mass grave of 215 children a school. But so, so yeah, we're recording this just a few days after that news has come out. By the time we release it, it'll have been a couple weeks. Uh, but just thinking about the fact that this country that we are recording this from uh, was founded on genocide and a big part of that genocide came from taking children away from their homes, from their families, from their cultures, and indoctrinating them into a way of life that was justified because the people doing it, the colonizers, considered their their way to be more advanced. So, uh, yeah, seeing that episode, seeing this episode, and then also having this news like running through my Twitter feed and being so present in my mind, I was really thinking about how do we 
depict uh, innocence in children and the fact that all of the kids in who are kidnapped in this episode are white. Um, uh, also, the people doing the kidnapping are all all white. Yeah, just thinking about how how do we how do we value children and how do which which children do we value? I think is really important to think about. Uh, even though the episode we're watching has has nothing to do with that or probably in the people who created it probably didn't intend for the episode to have anything to do with that. Uh, it, it is something that I think is really important to think about as we discuss this episode. Yeah, so this particular massacre was found uh, in the BC interior uh, and it's part of the Tkumloops de Chouetmach people that are uh, part of the, it's a language that's spoken in British Columbia, uh, which is called Shushwap, and they are members of that interior Salish, Shushwap-speaking peoples of British Columbia. So um, for those of you who are outside of Canada, uh, maybe listening to this aren't familiar with the residential school system, it, it was basically a, a tool of colonialism that was used to try to, uh, it was part of not only a genocide, but um, a term that's used up here often is called cultural genocide. It was a way to take children away from their families and basically indoctrinate them with Catholic, um, English-speaking values or um, ways of life where, you know, people were actually punished for speaking their own languages. And and there were many reports during that time that I think one of the parts that were as tragic of this that weren't taken seriously mm-hmm. was the dis- the disappearance of children as well from these schools yeah. and this this evidence speaks very much to that awful history of our own nation that it seems too often to want to try to forget yeah and and i think also um important to mention that the last residential school closed in 1996 yeah it wasn't even that so long it's, ago so this is not this is not ancient history and the while residential schools may not operate anymore there's still like i think uh you know in, indigenous children make up 50% of uh children in foster care but like 7% of children in the country like there's there is an ongoing practice of taking indigenous children from their families from their home under the justification of giving them a better life but the the reasons that the life with their families uh would is is not considered as good is a dire- is directly caused by colonialism by oppression of indigenous communities we just have these uh this sort of these repeating cycles of trauma uh yeah. and and th- that started with with colonization and genocide and cultural genocide absolutely you know and it's still manifesting in other ways this this sort of argument that well pro- the this more advanced sense of progress trumps everything else when we start even looking in like on the west coast here in british columbia where i live um this this is an ongoing discussion even with like where pipelines are being built and absolutely. whose land does it get to be built on and who yeah. has say as to where whether or not these pipelines are constructed and people are being arrested even now all the time for for protesting the pipeline construction, some of which goes through indigenous land, and so it's like th- this. This, in some way, is still this is still happening. Yeah, right? no, this, this isn't is, this isn't history. I mean, it it is it is part of our history, but it's part of our present as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and to to and we'll see similar notes in this story as to how why excuses and justifications are made, and how in some ways similar to how we've treated indigenous people uh, in our own country and I think in this continent, 
um, is I, this idea of that, well, there's some sort of compensation that's being given. So obviously right. that's that's recompense and that's okay now. Right. But how could you possibly compensate for what's happening here? And, you know, that's part of the conversation that happens regarding the taking of children in this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's and that Picard saying it, and we'll get to that point in the story is that you're not the more advanced civilization. This is barbarism. What yeah. you've done is, is yeah. barbaric, and so yeah, and and certainly that's the case in our own country as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. Oof. Should we get into the episode? Let's actually before we before we get into it, I want to give everyone a big heads up that I have a lot of feelings about this episode. So yeah. uh, so this will be a, a feelings-heavy episode, I, I predict. It is a very feelings... Yeah, I was I was very feelings-heavy into this yeah. one as well. I haven't seen this episode in a long time, so it, yeah. was, it was nice to go back and watch it, and, and it's definitely emotional. I would say it's one of the strongest episodes of this whole season. Okay, so in this episode, a planet once thought to be a myth reveals itself to the Enterprise only to then kidnap several children in an effort to remedy planet-wide infertility. So we open with uh, Riker on his way to the bridge. He is run into by young Harry, one of the children on the episode. Uh, And Harry is running away from his dad because he doesn't want to go to school because he doesn't want to learn calculus. And as someone who loves calculus, I have to say I have a lot of understanding for this young kid because maybe calculus, I'm not entirely sure what what they're trying to say about like, I don't know, science has improved so much that there's there's just so much to learn that that you have to We're learn calculus. We're teaching young kids calculus at like, at like 10, 11 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, there's a certain amount of brain developing that happens and I don't know if you're ready for calculus. See, I, I related more to Harry in this because there are times when I definitely wanted to run away from calculus myself. I got you, kid. It, it's very young for, <laughs> for calculus. I love calculus, but I understand why he's running away. So on the bridge, wow, which is where Riker was headed, Picard informs Riker that they've been tracking these faint energy readings uh, like breadcrumbs, and now they've stopped in the Epsilon Minus system, which Riker explains they are near where the mythical world of Aldea is. And Aldea, it's sort of like Atlantis of, of Earth. It's a self-contained, peaceful world with this advanced technology that takes care of their needs so that the people can focus on art and culture Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to remain a secret because they could cloak their planet. And as Riker is explaining this, there's, I think, a really nice scene where Troy senses. She's like, she's, she's like, yeah, you might not be picking anything up on sensors, but I'm sensing thousands of minds. Yeah, she actually gets to flex her powers here a bit instead of just being written out of an episode like they sometimes do. Yeah. And she can actually tell that the whole planet is there. She says there's thousands yeah. of minds, right? Yeah. Very close. And then the planet decloaks. A whole planet cloaking yeah. device. And then we have the intro. And they are greeted by Rochella. This is the first face we see from this civilization. And yeah. she wants to meet them in person to discuss why they've revealed themselves. So it turns out this, this trail of breadcrumbs was intentional. They, they wanted the Enterprise to be able to find them, which is why they have. Yeah, I want to say, so this is my first first like big feeling as a kid i loved rochella yeah i just thought she was so wonderful and it's probably like how did you know you were queer or like hints that you were queer <laughs> i think i think there's some of that for sure i looked her up she looked very very familiar and i'm like where do i know this actor from and it turns out she plays like lex luther's mom in the new dc series oh, online or on tv yeah. yeah so i was like oh now i know who you are i think i was having really complicated feelings watching this now feeling the the love that I felt for her as a kid and now seeing her as an adult, seeing her as a kidnapper. Right, yes. Yeah, so there's big feeling number one. 
Rochella and Radu, who looks so much like Bill Murray, oh, yeah, appear that. they appear on the planet. I had to like double check. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not him, but it really looks like him, but it's not. Uh, they appear on the bridge. They beam themselves up onto the bridge, and Crusher is worried because they haven't come through the regular Federation transporter, so they haven't been through decontamination. But Rochella explains, no, the only way through our shield is our way. This is important information. There's a big power imbalance that we see immediately there, too, which yeah. I it already started making me feel uncomfortable because they don't have a way to get down to the planet because their shield prevents it. Yeah. But earlier, the Enterprise has its shields up right now. And, and they're able still, to just beam yeah, right through. Yeah, oh, that's so true, yeah. So there's, there's no power. Like, immediately they show that they, they have no power. They can come and go as they want. And right away I'm like, like yeah. I'm already feeling very uncomfortable about this. Radu also, like, knows Riker's name. And Riker, it's, Riker does a really big switch. He was so excited about Aldea. Like, he was definitely a kid who read stories about Aldea as a kid. And, you know, like, was like, oh, yeah, one day I'll find this mythical planet. And he's so excited to be there. And then he's like, whoa, how do you know my name? And they're like, oh, we've been monitoring your communications. Again, yeah, big power yeah. imbalance. Right? They have this, all this information yeah. about them. He doesn't trust them. And I think also a little little bit of a plot point here, we see that they're they're both very sensitive to the light. They have to mm-hmm. go back down to their planet, which is just as brightly lit, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that later too, but I was yeah. like, maybe they have different lights. Uh, Troy says that there's something up. She knows that they want something they value very greatly, so much so that they are afraid to ask them for it. Yeah, right? yeah. Picard says like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll send an away team down to chat with you. And they just like instantly beam down Riker, Troy, and Crusher. So the Aldeans. Again, they're just taken. Again, take them. The ship doesn't send them down. And then while they're down there on the planet, a beam comes into the ship and scans the bridge. It focuses on Wesley. The shields are inoperable. There's really, did you notice the camera work in this episode is very different. There's a lot of like, I don't know, what do you even call it? Like a fisheye lens? Like it's really focusing on people's faces and it's a little a little creepier than usual. I did notice that too. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point because I, I it's invasive, this yes, idea of, of yeah. it being invasive. And I, I think that's really, it's key to what's going on because I made a note here too, all of this started making me really uncomfortable i'm a person who i'm i'm not really good with boundaries and so i i find like i get really sensitive to people who who can't also just read boundaries very well like naturally that are invasive right, people right. Like, and again like all of this stuff beaming onto the bridge taking people without their permission scanning them without their permission listening to them without their permission and i was like my anxiety was just going up I, watching this episode yes. i was like oh i felt exactly the same and and then the beam focuses on Wesley yeah. uh, and then once it finishes Worf says that all decks are coming in with similar reports but like specifically the decks that have children. I read somewhere that this this episode was kind of created to show like what are some potential consequences of having children on the Enterprise. The first episode, it was set up as this is a different kind of ship. This isn't the same as as Kirk's Enterprise. There are kids, right. there are families here. And so now we're looking at, like, that's really wonderful, but what are the risks? Having the foreknowledge now of seeing the entire show, mm-hmm. I would never have brought my kids on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Down on the planet... Radu kind of gets right to it. He says that nobody on the planet is able to have children. He says Rochella was the last child born and she's like a, a young adult at this point. She was the last person born. So what he would like to do is have some of the Enterprise's children. And then yeah. in exchange, they will give them information that, he, I mean, I don't know what it's information about. 
about it. Look, like he says parts of the galaxy that you wouldn't be able to reach for centuries, but like they don't go anywhere. So I don't know how they have this information. But anyway, I feel like I keep poking holes in this plot because I trying to avoid dealing with the difficult stuff <laughs> in some ways and i think they kind of elucidate this more is that there's there's a past of technological brilliance that they've kind of become disconnected from so yeah. maybe they used to be explorers we don't know yeah uh but rikers the look on rikers face i actually think jonathan frakes does a really brilliant job with this he just mm-hmm. looks incredulous he's like are you kidding me and troy kind of takes a really diplomatic approach that she's like uh, humans are unusually attached to their offspring. Yeah, I don't know if it insinuates that other races aren't. I know, like, well, if you want to take some, like, Vulcan kids or Klingon kids, that would be fine. I don't know. They definitely would fight back. Yeah. Um, and Crusher's like, no, this is not happening. Yeah, that they're not for sale. Yeah. Like, especially Crusher, who's thinking of Wesley immediately. The one parent who's down at that meeting. Yeah. Rochella and Radu are like, oh, okay, well... You're, this is where we are, and sends them back to the ship. And then we see Wesley disappears and six other children disappear from different parts of the ship. So we see some kids yeah, disappear stolen. from school. We see a little kid disappear from home with her, her mom. They find out what's going on and Worf reports back to the bridge, like all these kids are disappearing. And Radu tells Picard, like, don't worry, the children are with us and no harm will come to them. And Picard says, like, harm has already come to them. You just stole them from their home. Yeah. And then he says, you claim to be a civilized world and yet you've just committed an act of barbarity. Yeah. In typical... Oppressor fashion, Radu cuts off the conversation with Picard and says, we will continue this conversation once you have calmed down. Yeah, just totally tone policing yeah. the the obvious outrage that they would feel over what happened. Yeah, so on the planet, all of the kids are together and they're frightened and poor Wesley is, you know, he's barely a teenager himself and he, he's now tasked with taking care of these little children who are all scared. Wesley's a total boss in this episode. I love Wesley in this episode. Love him. I love Wesley in this episode. He's like, he's awesome. We'll get into some of that later, but I just wanted to say ahead of time. He's so good. And the two kids who we don't really meet, Mason, I forget the other one's name. But anyway, they're, they're like a bunch of kids who like talk, but then they're two kids who like are just kind of there. They're played by Will Wheaton's younger siblings. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Neat little thing. They're basically told they're going to have this great life, that they've been selected because they are special, they have gifts and talents that have been identified, and it's a bit creepy. Okay, here's my second big feeling. This is grooming, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you've been chosen because you're special. Yeah. It, ugh. I, like, honestly, like, watching this it makes me sick. And then also, so Alexandra is the the youngest kid. She's, I don't know, yeah. what, like four? Like, really small. Yeah. And she is very sweet and very charming. And I identified a lot with her seeing... And, and I think also one of the things that, that I have a hard time with um, in watching this episode is that as a kid myself, when I saw it, I really liked it. I think because it had kids in it. Yeah. I really loved that. And I identified a lot with Alexandra because I was also a super adorable, charming child. So, um, and I, you know, I liked when adults gave me attention. I really liked sure. that. And so she goes up to Rochella and like shakes her hand and Rochella is just like, oh my gosh, this kid is so sweet. Yeah. And it, and she is. And anyway. Which becomes a problem because Rochella is not assigned to Alexandra. No. Or vice versa, right? Yeah. So we're going to, well, that might become a problem later. Yeah. We go back to the observation lounge. And of course, the parents of all the children that have been taken are all talking to the captain and they're like, they're in panic. Right? Yeah. They're like, what are you doing to get these people back? And Crusher's kind of like, reminds everyone that they're like, you do the risks or we all knew the risks when we signed on, which I thought was kind of insensitive. So 
insensitive. I thought maybe the other layer there is she's trying to rationalize to herself now that she had brought Wesley along and maybe she's mm. feeling a guilt over that and so is, is saying this out loud to try to yeah. remind herself of the decisions. I think if I were sitting in the room with her then it would have been frustrating. So angry. Yeah, it's not a helpful thing to say. No. Picard's strategy, they want to they want to discuss compensation and he's mm-hmm. like that will buy us time. So he right. he doesn't want to be compensated for these uh children, but he he wants to use that. Right, because one of the parents right away is about to like compensate and he puts his hand up. He's like, no, I know we're not compensating them. This is a strategy. This is we're going to be strategizing. Yeah. There is a really interesting note where I thought they were going to go for sympathy for the Aldeans, but they didn't. Troy says like the the Aldeans can't have children of their own. And I was like, why would you bring that up? Like that's irrelevant. But what happens is then Harry's dad says, well, then they're not going to let our kids go easily. Like if, right. if they're having this because if they're, they're doing this because it's their only way to to have a kid, it, this isn't just a simple like, hey, we'd really appreciate it if you didn't take our children, which yeah. I also want to say is something that happens. Uh, this is this is something I think that is true in many cases of adoption. Certainly, again, talking about like indigenous kids, so there was the, the big like what we call the 60s scoop where a lot of indigenous children were taken from their homes and adopted by white families. Mm-hmm. Called the 60s scoop, but like it, it still continues to this day. There is a certain element of that of like, well, you know, these people just really want to be parents, totally ignoring the fact that they are destroying families. So on the planet, Rochelle plays with Alexandra and children being assigned to units. Yeah. The units, the way that they're designed is around similar passions and interests. So you've been assigned to a unit because, you know, as we see, like Harry is a, is is going to become a sculptor. You know, Wesley, they've, they've noted leadership qualities with him. But Wesley responds and he's like, well, we already have families. And then we have little Katie and Katie is assigned to uh, Melian, is his name? I think so. I M- Melian. Yeah. Melian. Yeah. And who's a, who's the one of the foremost musicians uh, and elderly and a single I think. So that was a bit weird. It's just an old, this little girl going with an old man. We didn't know this before, but when she was stolen from the ship, she was playing an instrument. Yeah. And then and then it like fell to the ground when she was beat. Yeah, it's like a lute or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he can see he can see music in her and the and Harry's uh unit can see the potential of the kind of artist that he can be. Because they see that Wesley has leadership potential. Radu says that it's now well, it's now up to him to make the transition, that they just have to accept that this is the reality. So clearly then if Wesley's a leader, his role is to make them accept it. And then he says, Like you, we also have no choice. And I'm like, that's yeah, that's it's nonsense. BS. That's such yeah. BS. Yeah, yeah. I was so frustrated with that. I was like, we, you definitely have a choice. Yeah. You made this choice. Yeah. Ugh. This episode makes me so angry. And also, Wesley Wesley totally doesn't buy into that. No. Like, any of that. He's completely you're, yeah. unfazed. You're absolutely right. Wesley is like totally – Wesley's amazing in this episode. So then – and then uh, Alexandra is still playing with Rochella. And there's – I actually really like this moment where they're like, no, these other people are waiting for – for Alexandra and Rochelle is like, no, I won't let her go um, because she's so taken with with how sweet she is, I guess. Radu's like really taken aback and Wesley kind of gives him a look that I don't know if this was intentional, but to me it was like, oh, all right. So you've got someone here not doing what you 
want them to do. Yeah, Ryder looks embarrassed. He does. Like, he's, yeah. He, and, and it comes up later, too. Like, he really has, he's acting like he's got so much control, but he doesn't actually have a whole lot of control. No, and so you can see there's already internal strife yeah. within the society, which makes sense given that it's it's under a lot of tension and pressure. And so not everything's going to be, they're not all necessarily just falling in line behind Radu either. No, no, they're not. We learned that the Aldean shield has, like, is sort of fluctuating and they find it a little odd that such an advanced, technologically advanced society wouldn't have noticed that or tried to fix mm-hmm. it. So that's an important plot point, I think. And then Picard says that, you know, he so he's, he wants to negotiate with them, but he he says like they're, they're going to call this negotiating, but what they're actually doing is rationalizing what they've done by offering right. us something. I think also a really important point, like this this is like a, a really delicate negotiation because he has to not he can't accept any price because then then the negotiations would be over but he also can't let on that they're not going to ever accept any offer because he needs to keep the negotiations going to buy them time yeah and back on the planet so duana so that i it's not totally clear i guess like duana and radu are a unit that and that's who wesley has been assigned to Mm -hmm. um but so she tells the custodian which is a computer to give wesley third level clearance so wesley can ask any question that he wants. She explains that the custodian, it seems like it's a it's a computer that just runs their entire, like it's basically automated their whole society. And yeah. so they say it frees them of all burdens. It was created by the progenitors of their society like hundreds of centuries ago. But Wesley notes that she doesn't know how it works. Yeah. And she was like, well, why do I need to know how it works? And he points out all kinds of computers also need maintenance. And so if no one knows how to repair it, like how is it going to be fixed? And again, it's making this indication that they have, there's all this lost knowledge of the yeah. technology that runs their society. I also want to Point out the, the custodian's voice. Yeah. The actor who plays that voice will come back in season two. They play this uh, alien that's in floating in space that the that the Enterprise get trapped oh. in called Nagilam. <laughs> Is that the same one? It's the same voice. Yeah. So oh, when, when we episode. get to Nagilam in season two, I will point that out. Nice, again. nice. Yeah, uh, but you're 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 right. Like like the, there is all this lost knowledge, and she's kind of open about it. Like there's this door, and he's like Wesley's like, what's behind there? And Duana's like, I. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So Wesley, like, he takes a look at, like, what some of the other kids are doing. And uh, then Duana says, okay, well, like, we, we have work to do, which I don't quite know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. What do they do? Yeah. <laughs> Picard. So then Picard says, I'm, okay, we're ready to negotiate. I'm going to come down with Crusher, with Dr. Crusher. Um, and he says, because she is a staff, a staff officer and Starfleet regulation 6.75 uh, says that any negotiations or treaties must be must have two staff officers involved, which is we learn a lie. This is Picard being so wily in his negotiations. Data's so into it, yeah, because Data's like, "There's no such regulation," and Picard's like, "I know," and he's like, "Oh, I see." And then he goes, "Oh, I see." <laughs> he's like, "Ooh, deception! This yeah. is interesting. Interesting. I'm gonna take notes on humanity." How right now. does lying work? And when when is lying okay? When is it okay? Yep. And then so we get an interesting scene where. Um, Radu says to Picard and Crusher, like, I don't understand why you want your kids back. You can just have more. Yeah, it's so insensitive. He's just like, why are they valuable to you? You can always make more of them. Yeah, I mean, it's we don't we don't really see how how the society is structured, but I guess I don't know the this idea of units versus families. I kind of I feel like there's a difference. They don't they don't see. Did you ever read the book The Giver? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> it seems like the families that are in The Giver, where it's like they're these units and they, they're together, but they're not, they don't necessarily have the same kind of like familial 
love that we here on Earth typically associate with with families. Oh. There, and you can see that thing like, oh, well, you know, you just have another kid. These ones aren't just have special. Another kid. Yeah, yeah. And Radu says that the Enterprise children will not be infertile because it he believes or at least their society believes that the issue is genetic yeah. and so because and that it's not contagious and so since they've introduced new people into the society that they will be able to to bear children yeah uh, but picard insists that crusher be allowed to see wesley and we see where wesley gets his discretion from because she very obviously hands him the little tricorder scanny thing yeah, then he opens up his hand and he's like, oh, and so, I don't know if that was to like speaking more to Wesley's inability to be discreet or them thinking that as the audience, we needed to really know that she had handed off the tricorder scanner yeah. to Wesley. Yeah. And then he walks around Duana and is like totally waving it around her head and she just doesn't notice. But, you know, given that it's her and she doesn't seem to really pay much attention <laughs> to anything that's going on, given what yeah. we've seen of her before, I was like, ah, I guess that works. But she's also not particularly subtle about it when she hands it to him. Like, right. Basically yeah. like, here you go, wink, wink. They send them back, and but of course now they have these scans, mm-hmm. but before they're able to really do anything with them, and before they're able to give an answer one way or the other, Radu says like, oh, but while you're thinking about this, something to throw into the mix is I just want to show you how powerful we are. Yeah. And they shoot this beam, it's a repulsor beam, and it flings the Enterprise three days journey at warp nine away from Aldea. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and wow. And this is a small demonstration. Small demonstration. Yeah. And when they finally stop, he contacts them again and it says that if they refuse the offer, he'll push the ship so far away that by the time they come back, their kids will be grandparents. Yeah. So we see like Radu, he showed, you know, a very friendly affable sort of personality at the very beginning and now he's like oh by the way this is what i'm really like yeah he started to become quite ruthless yeah uh so on aldea katie the the musician learns to play on an instrument and this is another interesting thing so this instrument just senses the notes from inside of her and and we see this also like when harry is sculpting so i don't know if if you'd get the same kind of satisfaction, they're like, oh, no, it's inside of you. The tools are just bringing them out. Yeah, there's no development of the skill. No. It's, it's just like it just happened. I, I could see some of the appeal of that. But I think part of the process in developing a pride for your art is the development of that skill and learning the tools. Yeah, like like there's a lot of satisfaction in not being great at something and then getting better at it. Yes. Even even if you never like, you know, achieve any kind of mastery, there is a, a, a satisfaction and improvement. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, I guess the the music that Katie plays is the Traveler's theme from the episode where no one has gone before. I had written down a note here. I was like, that little like... Yeah. Maybe I'll insert it here in the episode. Yeah. It's like the... Definitely heard that from somewhere before, and I made a note here, so you knew where I it was it. from. It's kind of funny that that's <laughs> that's what's been playing in her head. I wonder why it is. If there's something to that, or they're just like, oh, we need something, and we need it was something already sort recorded of melancholy, somewhere. and we've got, and it sounds sort of futuristic, so it could come yeah. from this uh, machine. He says that too. He's like, well, that was beautiful. He actually Melian gets emotional, and he says, well, but can you play something happier, less mo- melancholy? And she's like, but that's just not how I feel. Yeah, I loved that scene. Right. Yeah, we're starting to see like the cracks here, right? And and same thing. Harry is sculpting out of wood. And he had made, like, a dolphin, and he, like, reflects back on the Mm -hmm. fact that, like, his father is an oceanographer, and he's like, I guess I'm not going to see dolphins anymore. Like, you know, because he's also the same thing. So they're they're using their artwork to try to reconnect with their home home. families, right? We get a really quick 
they it would have made more sense to me if they'd shown more stuff happening on Aldea because they the ship arrives back so I guess it's been three days now it's not mm-hmm. clear and Picard said he's like okay we're willing to negotiate and then he's like Data figure out how to get through that shield and I love Data's like it might be impossible and he says things are only impossible until they're not until they're not and Data yeah, like it. doesn't know what to do with that information but basically it's like freaking do it data yeah i guess i should go back to work we see that like harry's uh unit parents or whatever are like they're putting cream on their hands because they have lesions mm-hmm. again harry's talking about like plans he had with his dad and then it's like oh never mind there's a scene that is like so sad and again made me kind of sick where like alexandra is crying for her mother and rochella yeah. is like holding her and comforting her and like that's so gross like you are the reason that she's not with her mother like you can't yeah. comfort her and then west I guess he's like I think he's he's not eating because he's not hungry again because he's sad but in doing this he realizes well a he sees that that they don't eat very much mm-hmm. the Aldeans don't have much of an appetite but he also realizes that he can use passive resistance but security on Aldea is worse than security on the Enterprise because he's it is just yeah like, it's not very good yeah so he <laughs> he asks the custodian where all the kids are and he goes around and and wakes them up and has a secret meeting and basically explains that like they're on strike uh, they're not gonna do they're not gonna eat they're not gonna talk they're not gonna do anything that the Aldeans want them to do. I like this scene where Harry is conflicted about that, that he's like, I do kind of like them and I like working with the wood with them. Like it is kind of fun. And again, this is a thing that is very real. Like that's how, that's how abuse happens. (laughs) Like it it wouldn't be possible to do it if, if there wasn't some element of like, you know, there's something about this that that's keeping me here. Yeah, it's it's never that. It's not that cut and dry, yeah. right? There's still something that's being provided, and and they are giving them something that's very enticing. Yeah, this ability to be good at something, to mm-hmm. to be able to create desire to express yourself, even though of all that expression right now is sadness. Yeah, and especially because Harry like just came from being like, I don't want to do calculus, and now he doesn't have to do calculus. Like, yeah, it's very immediate for him. Yeah, and then it didn't depending on. I mean, all these children feel connected to their families but what if one of the children said actually i like it here better yeah. like, what if their relationship with their family wasn't super great and that's that's where it, like it struck me as part of the episode because mm-hmm. i spent most of my time growing up like watching star trek and wanting to be in that world mm-hmm. um and feeling kind of disconnected from the home that i was in often and yeah. i was like if i were getting an opportunity at whisked away to this place where then i get to explore my own skills my own talents like would i actually want to come back and so there is this duality there for me where i was mm-hmm. like ah, oh, that actually might be difficult and so i related to like when you know when harry says this like maybe he almost feels a sense of a home here so yeah that would be really complicated i like that wesley actually calls it this is passive resistance he organizes them and it's awesome and then i think we have the most boss wesley scene when Rochella comes in and she's like, what's going on? And she goes to pick up Alexandra and, and Wesley like doesn't say anything, but just gets in the way and picks, picks, picks her up. Her himself. up. Yeah. Also, I just want to note, I didn't mention this before. Alexandra has been the entire time she's had this little fluffy creature. Yeah, is it like a stuffed tribble? That's it what is it a stuffed like. tribble. It nice. is 100% a stuffed tribble. So <laughs> I just needed to say that. Yeah. Crusher realizes that the Eldeans have radiation poisoning. 
And so this yeah. is what it is. It's it's their ozone layer has been so depleted by the shield that protects and cloaks their planet. And so they are it's environmental. It's not genetic, it's environmental. Yeah. Data says it's it's gonna take way too long to break this yeah. code. And so Jordy and Riker have figured out that they can break through the shield because of its fluctuation, so that when it, anyone beams down or is transported down to the planet, again, they can sneak some extra people in and basically yeah. beam them to the surface. We get another scene of the kids not uh talking to the Aldeans and Alexander and you know, I mean one of the things that I just love about Wesley is like getting adults to or you know organize to do anything is hard enough mm-hmm. but organizing children to not eat like geez Louise that yeah <laughs> but but what he explains to Alexandra because she wants to eat she's hungry she wants yeah and, and she's like four like she doesn't have great impulse control but what he says he says it's our way of telling them that we want to go home it's and so I simple that's it's so yeah it's so good and it's also like you know, he he told them that they want to go. They have all said that they want to go home, but they're not listening. So yeah. this is how we have to tell them by by not eating and by not talking. I was so proud of Wesley. I love so him proud. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, he's so great. Radu beams Crusher and Picard down for uh, negotiations, and at the same time, the Enterprise beams down Riker and Data to go knock out the the power source. Yeah, they're snuck in. They sneak. Yeah. In. This scene was so funny that Radu was like, all right, you have to tell the kids. He's like, Picard, you have to talk to these kids. They're <laughs> yeah. not being the way we want them to be. And so you have to convince them to be better kidnap victims because I'm I'm not actually very good with kids. Picard kind of gives Road Crusher a look, which I think is half like that is a ridiculous thing to ask of me. And also half like you think I'm any better with kids. He's like, I thought I was bad with people, but oh my goodness, this dude is awful. If anything, it kind of shows like, maybe I can be better with children. I'm certainly better than this guy is. He's like, you have no choice but to give us your children. Also, please explain to them that they need to be better behaved for us. Like that. And he's like, you want to raise these people? Like, what's wrong with you? Picard, he approaches all the kids and they get a chance to talk to them. And Harry says to him, like, he's he's like, I'm really sorry. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Told my dad that I'm really sorry. Made him angry because earlier he didn't want to study calculus. Yeah. You know, and Picard says, like, you'll be able to tell him yourself. Yeah. And he also says, and, and I'm going to tell him how much I admire his, how much I admire you. It's, yeah. Which is Ugh. awesome. And Alexandra makes Picard pick her up. <laughs> he is so, like, how do you see that little four year old and you're like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I love how stiff he is. And then, and then he, I also thought it was really weird. Like, why did Radu send Picard on his own? Why didn't he go with them to, like, make sure they don't plot something together? Because then they all show yeah. up. Like, they, because the, the planet uses these little, like, I don't even know. They beam places instantly. Instantly. I just want to point out that I really liked that one. The camera shot on that one scene is cool because they all appear in the room. And because, mm-hmm. like you had said earlier, he they had sent Picard there on his own. When he comes back, it's just him with all the kids. Yeah. I'm here to get you all. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. space dad. Yeah, yeah. He is space dad, even even if he doesn't know what to do with children. Um, And Radu is like, what, what's going on? He's like, well, uh, these kids want to come home with us. And then he reveals that he's he like contacts Riker and he's like, hold for orders. Yeah, he gives away that they're there. He's like, yeah. what are you going to do now, Radu? Yeah, and so and then Crusher explains that what happened is very similar to what happened on Earth in the early 21st century. Remember when our planet was our ozone layer had deteriorated and the planet was flooded with UV radiation? Yeah, that's like that was <laughs> then when that when these episodes were recorded, that was one yeah, of the things we were dealing with, yeah. Yeah. Is our ozone layer fixed? I 
That's a good question. I think it's not as bad as it was because we we got rid of chlorofluorocarbons, CFCs, that were in like aerosol sprays and stuff so, uh, so okay. i i think it regenerated a lot since then okay. but now, so, i i could be wrong i have to i should look that up yeah because i mean what she's talking about like 21st century early 21st century that's like now and so i think the idea was because we did have that hole in the ozone layer and mm-hmm. i think the prediction was it's only going to get worse so. yeah i think it's one of those environmental things we actually managed to come together to fix a yeah. little bit but i yeah. i should go back and look that up yeah now we're just dealing with climate change which yeah. is just as scary yeah but the point is, is that it's going to affect these kids, too. So even though they brought them, eventually they will also become infertile. Yeah. And and it's related to the shield. So this mm-hmm. this shield and this cloak that has been keeping them isolated has also been destroying them. And they say, like, no, that's not possible. Our scientists would have figured that out. And Crusher is like, how? You Your scientists have forgotten how everything works. Yeah. And she, yeah. So, so she... She calls them on that. I don't know how she knows that. Maybe Wesley secretly told her somehow. I don't know. Or just maybe it seems obvious having talked to them all this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. So then when Radu, Radu tries to send Crusher and Picard back, but Riker has temporarily disabled the computer and the shield. So the Enterprise can now beam them, beam the kids up yeah. to the ship. But before they do that, Harry has he says goodbye to to his unit yeah he says thank you to them yeah yeah and and they're gonna go get the dolphin for him but he's like no you can keep it which i think is nice for like two reasons one i think it's like a nice you can remember me with that and i also kind of think of it as like he believes that he has this skill inside of him so he you know he can make himself another dolphin one day oh okay yeah that it's not you know i don't i don't need that because that like I want you to keep it, and also I believe that I have this skill. I'll yeah. be able to do something again. I also want to point out that when when Radu tries to use his transporter thing and it doesn't work, they cut back to Picard, and over Picard's left shoulder, you can see Wesley in the background. He's got this giant grin on his face. <laughs> it's like that's what you get. Yeah, well done, well, well done, done, everyone. Yeah. So Picard offers to help the Aldeans, which is uh, maybe more than I would do. But uh They're Starfleet, Ruthie. This they're is how they Starfleet, roll. yeah. That's that's how you go. But they so they enter this mysterious room that Wesley had sort of pointed out the door of earlier when, when Duana said she didn't know what was back there. And it's got like a big power source and Radu says like we'll we'll have to relearn everything. I wrote down here that this is very similar to the last episode that we watched. When you have like a, the antagonist also has this massive turnaround, like right yes. at the end of the episode. Yes. And I was still yes. like, I was still into it. When he's like, all this time we've been destroying ourselves. I was like, yes, quick learning at the end of the episode. It's okay. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. you love it. You love <laughs> yeah. it. There's a nice scene, I think, uh, back on the ship where Harry says to his dad, I want to be an artist and I don't want to take calculus. And his dad, this is, you know, this to me, that's this is what parents need to do. His dad is like, you can be anything you want to be. Also, you still have to take calculus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you don't. He's like he's like I don't. You don't have to be a scientist. You can, of course, you can be an artist. But you need to you need to learn calculus, and yeah. that's not going to take away from you being an artist. It bugs me though that he's like I don't know. He's dropping him off at school or whatever. But like, <laughs> it bugged me that he didn't hug him. He just sent him off. Like, dude, your kid's just been kidnapped. Are you not going to like? Yeah, show a little warmth. Come on. Come on. Also, I think while I did say that like this is good parenting on display, I I still think that Harry's a little young for calculus. Yeah. Um, 
he can he can do it later. Uh, so the Enterprise has been treating, or Crusher has been treating all the Aldeans for radiation poisoning, and they're responding well. They've sort of they've neutralized the problem, but they will never be able to use their shield or their cloak again. Yeah, the legend will die, but the people will live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back on the bridge, <laughs> we have this fantastic. This is a legendary scene. It's amazing in Star Trek, and in I think the the development of Picard's character. But Wesley brings Alexander to the bridge, and and Ruthie, what happens? <laughs> First of all, this I think we see Wesley really like standing up for himself to Picard. Yeah, because he's like, I, I earned this moment. Yeah, Picard <laughs> I, I is like, this. Wesley, what is going on? He's like, sorry, Captain. She wanted to say thank you. And she hands him this little, like, dried flower and gives him, he kneels down. Picard kneels down to, like, see her. And she gives him a hug. He does not hug back. Like, what is wrong with you, you monster that you don't? Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, but he doesn't hug her back. And I find that very odd. Yeah. But, and then, okay, this this is my favorite because I read that this was a choice made by the actor who played Alexandra. This was not in the script. Oh. That she sticks the tribble to his back. That is awesome. So it's intentional. The kid just chose to do that. And so when you see the crew laughing at it, that that was like the cast laughing. It was uh, like an improv in the yeah, moment. Yeah, she oh, just did it, it. and they left it in. That's what I read, at least. I don't know. That's I brilliant. I I like to believe that. Yeah, and that's how the episode ends. Ah, yeah. So yeah, I. Oh, this was a hard episode for me. Yeah, and and I I do still really enjoy it, but I like in watching it, I had to I had I had to pause it a few times because it just oh. there was just too much, and I think just like. What you were saying, uh, Matt, about this idea of like being whisked away from your home to another world where you're able to explore your own passions and and your own like yeah like like you're free from from the the difficulties or the restraints from your home. I think that's like that's a really understandable like desire, and I think probably quite common uh, at least at some point in every kid's life. I felt there was such a disconnection between my interests and passions and and not just the interests and passions of my family, but the attentions of my family to those interests and passions. Right. Like right. I I didn't really feel like the things that I was that I really cared about were were super important mm-hmm. to them. And that isn't to say that I didn't have like a safe like physically safe place to grow up in. Like my physical needs are all taken care of. But mm-hmm. um but I often felt like those other things seemed alien or strange to my family. Yeah. For me, if I were a child in this situation, it would have been very tempting to f- want to try to feel at home with someone who is like, I don't know, like, let me play with, like, wanted me to help, like, build up my career as an engineer or told me I'd mm-hmm. be an astronaut one day or that all my dreams would be fulfilled if I, if, if my career aspirations, if I, if I stayed with them. Like, I think that that desire... Yeah, like I said, it makes a lot of sense. To me, like what was taken, what we don't see in in this episode is and in this situation is like choice. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like that's yeah. that's the thing. It's not about like, you know, these people would have been bad parents and these ones are good parents. There's sure. actually there's a, a an odd scene at the end where Troy says, Oh, we, we know they'll make good parents, which like No, not necessarily. Like they thought that you could just replace kids by having another one. Yeah. Like it's not it's not about the life on the Enterprise or on Aldea was going to be better or worse than the other one. It's it's the the question of choice, right? And and, yeah. and just stealing people. And then how much do you really care about their agency? And so and then we cover we cover over 
the sins in our own country with the same thing. It's like these yeah. people will have better lives with us. Yeah. Yeah. But once the same issues started showing up, like had the radiation that affected these children and they became infertile too, would they suddenly be treated with the same reverence because they don't, they no longer can give back to the society what they were supposed right. to? Right, yeah. They would probably discover that pretty early in their lives. Then what would have happened to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of agency and choice, though, something else that you had mentioned is that, you know, these, these children didn't have a choice. Yeah. The episode also reflects maybe an artificial choice that we think we have to make in society, which is between art and science. Yes. Right? And, and you had mentioned this earlier when we were talking about it is that it's kind of an artificial dichotomy absolutely i think and and the fact the idea that like so the idea on this planet is that the custodian takes care of all of their like physical needs i guess and kind of regulates their their society so they don't need to study any science because all of their needs are taken care of and the idea that you would only study math or science for like for a a use to me is just baffling like when I I studied math and people would always ask me like oh when is that used like uh, like one of my favorite courses was number theory I loved number theory Mm -hmm. and I remember people asking me like well in what situation like what's a practical application of number theory and I was like I have no clue I'm sure they exist but I don't know I just think it's beautiful so this idea of like and you don't need to do calculus because you can do art instead. And I, I get some people don't lo- don't love calculus, and that's fine. No one, you don't have to. But calculus is just as beautiful as art. Calculus has its own art. A couple weeks ago, I was at a conference about math education, and and I was just seeing so many things, and I was feeling so like fired up about about math and how fun it is to see kids develop a love of math. And yeah, so this idea of like, well, we we can think about art and culture because our our lives have been are are taken care of that like and and that science and math are not included in that art and culture to me is so sad. Yeah. I mean, look at fractal patterns and how beautiful they are. Expressions yeah. of those like fractal art or you know, we there's this kind of weird when I started getting into astrophotography, there was weird pushback I would get it from that and there are some communities that believe well like astrophotography isn't really helpful to get people engaged into science because it's just pretty pictures. It's not real like data. It's not showing people data that you're taking of the sky. And I'm like, what? Like pictures of space don't inspire people to be interested in science? I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, and so I I love astrophotography because I think it's this beautiful harmonization of art and science in one place. Like you're using this amazing technology to create and image like beautiful pieces of art from the sky. And we know what those things are because of science. Yeah. And also I think like there is still value because they're beautiful. Absolutely. When we talk about abolishing all binaries, I think that's another one we can would be get one. rid of. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Art yeah. art versus science. Yeah. Uh, it's art and science. Art and science. It's like the, yeah, in, in education there was for a long time, people would talk about the STEM field. So science, technology, uh, engineering and math. And now there's a push for STEAM. So including mm-hmm. art in that science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And math. Yeah, absolutely. I think we did it. I think we did it. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of With the First Link. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. Our cover art was created by Nathan Nunn, and you can find more of his work at NathanNunn.ca. Our theme song is An Amazing Adventure by Flame Lion Studio. You can follow us on Instagram at FirstLinkPod or send us an email at FirstLinkPod at gmail.com and unload all of your big feelings about this episode onto us. I am Ruthie. And I'm Matthew. And your kids might need to study calculus, but make sure you also let them carve dolphins and give them a hug.
We believe fandom is more than just watching a favorite show. It's about using the inspiration from the worlds we see on screen to make a difference in our real world today. Here are some differences you can make. Number one, consider making a contribution to the Indian Residential School Survivors Society, a British Columbia-based organization that has supported survivors of the residential school system for two decades. Secondly, something we should all do, read the 94 calls to action created by the Canadian Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which urges all levels of government and citizens to work together to change policies and programs in an effort to repair the harm caused by residential schools and colonialism. Links for both are in the description for this episode. 